Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Leverins. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Thursday, January 11th, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to our number two of Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us across America and beyond on this Thursday morning here in this first week of Ordinary Time. Uh, it's a joy to be with you uh, on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Now, I got a question for you. How's your marriage going? Uh, do you have any questions or need advice? Join us for the debut of Marriage Unhindered with Morning Air contributor Doug Hinder this Saturday. Doug is a licensed marriage and family therapist with 42 plus years of marriage and family experience of his own. Marriage Unhindered live Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We're also uh, really excited for uh, another Morning Air contributor because the Dave Duran Show is back on Relevant Radio. Dave is focused on helping people integrate their faith life into their career. Drawing from decades of building and leading companies, Dave uh, will share practical tips to increase personal results and leadership skills. The Dave Duran Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Central here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. We're super happy uh, for David. He will continue to be with us uh, week in and week out on Morning Air. I want to bring in uh, Glenn and Sarah once again. Hey, Glenn, what are a few of the stories uh, making headlines uh, this hour here on this Thursday morning? Well, I think, uh, John, one of the big stories as you were talking about the new weekend shows here on Relevant Radio is we talk about coaching trees. Great coaches through the years have assistants go on to be great coaches themselves. And there have been so many spinoffs from morning air through the years. It's like a great coaching tree, wouldn't you say, John? You know, yes, you that is a that is true indeed. And, uh, you know, we're just very blessed. Uh, you know, uh, obviously, uh, Doug Hinder and Dave Durand are outstanding uh, regular contributors, so we're really happy for them. But uh, we have so many uh, other uh, contributors, uh, you know, week in and week out that uh, we really uh, do count our blessings. We certainly do. Well, uh, turning to the news, uh, things really heating up. Monday, the first caucus, as we really get down to business for the 2024 presidential primary season. Uh, one less uh, participant, Chris Christie, has announced he's dropped out right before the uh, latest debate last night between Nikki Haley and uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, President Trump as well decided, as he has the entire uh, primary season, to skip that debate and do his own thing. Fox, happy to accommodate, and he had a a town hall on Fox last night. Here's some of what that sounded like. How will you gather the several millions that have already entered our country illegally? It's not sustainable for our country. We have millions and millions of people here. We are going to have the largest deportation effort in the history of our country. We're bringing everybody back to where they came from. We have no choice. We have no choice. No question about it that things are heating up, uh, both uh, with uh, President Trump, but also uh, in uh, the other venue, uh, the Republican debate that took place uh, last night uh, between uh, Haley and DeSantis. They really went at it, uh, Glenn. South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, uh, the former governor there, criticizing current Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and the gas tax. Uh, Haley said 
There's a numbers game going on in Florida. DeSantis shot back. He claimed that Haley was uh, in the past trying to raise gas and grocery taxes. She denied those claims. They they went on it back and forth on a, a variety of issues. Here's a little bit of uh, what they had to say last night. Will any of the more than 10 million undocumented immigrants in the U.S. be allowed to stay in the country under your administration? You have to deport them. And the reason you have to deport them is they're cutting the line. We will build a wall. We will actually have Mexico pay for it in the way that I thought Donald Trump was. If we support Ukraine, Israel, and secure the border, that's less than 20% of Biden's green subsidies. You do not have to choose when it comes to national security. That election, Biden won that election. And the idea that he's gone and carried this out forever to the point that he's going to continue to say these things to scare the American people are wrong. If Trump is the nominee, it's going to be about January 6th, legal issues, criminal trials. I'm not running for my issues. I'm running for your issues. It was definitely heated, Glenn. It certainly was. And that was the, again, last debate before Monday's caucuses there. And then the following week on Tuesday, the 23rd, that uh, first in the nation primary in New Hampshire. And uh, some think the move by Chris Christie to drop out yesterday was designed to to help uh, perhaps Nikki Haley uh, and get folks consolidate around her as an alternative to President Trump as she's closing in on some of his polling numbers. He, of course, has led uh, all across the country uh, in the polling uh, as the, uh, the the leading Republican candidate uh, once again. Uh, Mr. Christie did not admit to that. He uh, endorsed no one in particular as he dropped out yesterday. And matter of fact, was caught on an open mic saying that he thought that she'd get smoked in the race. Yes, uh, you know, you'd think that as, as someone as experienced as Christie uh, would know better than to say something like that uh, with a hot mic. You know, we always got to be aware of these things can always be on, even if we're not sure if they are. So. I <laughs> yeah. mean, also, do you think maybe he could have said that knowing she would hear that and fire her up so she, you know, put go full blast? I mean, there, you never yeah. know. I mean, yeah. you upset a woman doesn't, you know, it might not end well for you. So I mean, he might be doing that on purpose. You never know. It's going to well, be interesting. You know, we're married. We didn't think of that. But, uh, you know, we probably should from time to time. Yeah, I started to say it'll be interesting to see who's left standing uh, uh, with the Iowa caucuses uh, right around the corner and uh, things really, really uh, uh, heating up here. So uh, uh, stay tuned. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the other story, um, Glenn, that uh, obviously uh, caught the attention of uh, football fans was Nick Saban, one of college football's uh, coaching all-time greats. He won seven national championships and turned Alabama back into a national powerhouse that included six of those titles uh, with uh, the Crimson Tide. He informed Alabama that he is indeed retiring. Uh, at age 72, Saban won 201 games, tied with Vince Dooley of Georgia for the second most wins at a single school in SEC history, uh, only behind Bear Bryant, who won 232 games in 25 years with Alabama. So um, Nick Saban, one of the all-time greats. Some people think that he is the GOAT. Yeah, a lot of success there. A lot of success in the college coaching world uh, continues to evolve. It's not what it was when he started at Alabama, and certainly uh, before that at other successful uh, runs in, in college. Uh, now a you know, 24-7, 365 job with uh, constantly recruiting as well as trying to hang on to your own players with that ability, like regular job holders to switch schools and, uh, and play football for other schools through the transfer portal and make some money through the name, image, and likeness deals as well. That's uh, more above board maybe than it has been in the past because it wasn't uh, absent in the past. But that makes coaching a, a whole lot tougher, John, and it's not just about the X's and O's anymore. 
Absolutely. Uh, we may never see in our lifetime uh, another uh, coach that can uh, win seven national championships like Nick Saban. So uh, uh, he is definitely in the record books. Uh, it's Thursday, which means uh, it's uh, time for another round of uh, What's That Sound? Well, good luck to you, gentlemen, and all those playing at home. We uh, struggled a little bit in hour one, but that um, partially could be the confusing uh, clips that I chose. We'll see if we can all do collectively better together and make the day a great start uh, in this next round of What's That Sound? Okay, John, you're up first. Let's see if you can figure out this sound. Oh, that sounds like a cow. Very good. Today is National Milk Day, so make sure you thank your local cow for uh, <laughs> providing such a wonderful resource for your Cheerios or whatever you, <laughs> your Captain Crunch or whatever it is that you like to have in the morning, or maybe even for the cream in your coffee, or maybe for the cheese in your grilled cheese. Oh, there's just so many things. Thank you to all the dairy cows out there. Oh, I am very appreciative uh, to the cows out there. Mm. And that wasn't the sound effect. That was John. You know what? Maybe I'll just ask you to do them next time. That'll be a little cheating. So I guess I, I do a do better it. bowl. <laughs> well, very. Good. Good. That makes a lot more sense that you should be able to do that. Okay, uh, Glenn. Well, cows, though, but cow, we have cows like a few blocks away uh, near the edge of the small town we live in, and we can go on for walks. And, and And my wife will do her best, John, doing a cow impersonation to try and kind of rev up the cows, which happens from time to time. It's like, let's go. Let's Isn't going, that funny honey, when let's... you try, you try to do the sound effect of the actual animal to the animal? You know, do they I, respond? You know, here's you want, a funny do story. you understand real, real, the language? Real quick, funny story. I'm in Colombia on vacation. We're out in the country uh, next to a farm uh, filled with bulls. And obviously there's a fence behind us. And I'm there with my family and I start doing the, the bull sound. And the bulls actually listen to me. All of a sudden, all the bulls start charging towards the fence and never forget it. So yeah, got to be careful when you uh, tease. Well, what happened these... after that then, John? Well, What's the rest they, of the obviously... story? Well, they, n nothing happened because we backed okay. off. Okay. You didn't have we got to them have all riled a... up. They actually yeah. came over to the fence. You didn't happen to have like a red cloth or anything you were waving at no, the same no, time? No, okay. no, no. El toro. Don't do that. I've heard. I know you're not supposed to do that, but don't uh, beckon the, the bulls with your sounds. Okay, that's You know, I know. taunted a cow once uh, in, in, in Green Bay outside of the old relevant radio headquarters is a McDonald's not far away, and there's a, a farm right across the street from this McDonald's that that had cows. So there I'm sitting in the parking lot eating my hamburger, staring down cows right across the roadway. And I thought that was kind of bold of me, perhaps. Uh, how there. dare you? That's that is very bold. <laughs> there's cheese and meat it's, on there. It's like a double whammy. Like really? Uh, well, it's like eating chicken out at the picnic table, and the neighbor's chickens are like right over there. It's like <laughs> you guys settle down. We can take care of you here. But, uh, anyway, anyway, it's we, not we your digress. cousin. It's a distant be kind, relative. <laughs> be kind to animals. <laughs> Eat them if you gotta, but oh, be kind of. Well, that's very good. Okay, here we go. Uh, clue number two. Let's see if uh, you guys can. Or, sorry, uh, Glenn. Let's see if you could figure out this one. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, that chia goodness. pet. <laughs> love the love the chia pet commercials. Yeah, especially oh. the uh, couple of years ago we we bought someone the the Bob Ross chia pets where the hair grows. You know, it's... there's almost a chia pet for anything and everyone. I know there was an Obama one at what point. They're just you know whoever you can find, they've made it. And I just wonder, have you guys ever owned a chia pet? I mean, I've seen the chia pet herb and garden. I don't know if you nope. actually get it. <laughs> they just grow magically. I, I've never actually purchased one, but I just you see it for so long. You're like someone has. 
has to own this or this business would not be around here. Never had one personally, but definitely remember those old time commercials. I wasn't even aware that uh, they're still uh, in style. They're they're still in business, and you know, I don't know if it's nostalgia at this point or you know how they've stayed afloat. Because again, Good I don't gag know. Gift. Good gag gift. Yeah, and, and, and like a regifting gift, I think, when you don't decide you're going to actually... Uh, you know, some of those oddball it. gifts you get for the, you know, the work Christmas party and things like that. Down the aisle at a certain drugstore, they have a bunch of those, right? And uh, another one of those that used to be advertised in the back of comic books all the time, the sea monkeys, you know, which are actually little tiny brine shrimp. But Paul Sadek, who uh, hosts the, the 4 a.m. show on Relevant Radio here, Daybreak, uh, in the office, used to have uh, a little tiny mini aquarium of sea monkeys and so they, they really do exist i'd only seen them in ads before but uh thanks to paul i got to see them up close and personal that doesn't surprise me in the least <laughs> amazing very good okay last clue you guys have been doing amazing so far so let's see if you can keep it up with this audio clip she just goes a little mad sometimes we all go a little mad sometimes haven't you Mm. Oh, I'll, I'll kick myself once you tell me, but I won't be able to tell you what that is. Okay. John, anything? I have no clue at this uh, point. Okay, that's it. No answers. Not the right answer. That was Norman in Psycho. You know what? Oh. I was thinking, uh, believe it, I was thinking uh, that. You I both kicked yourself. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You I just what? couldn't pull the trigger because I wasn't sure. If I played the theme song, it would be way too much of a hint, so I had to try to find an audio uh, a clip that maybe you might know. I don't know. You have to have watched the movie and remember it well enough. So, yeah, it's one of those you're like, it sounds familiar. What is it from? And there you go. Oh, that was about years ago, maybe a dozen years ago, the, the, the Minnesota Orchestra on Halloween fell on a Friday night and they, they played the soundtrack along with showing the movie. Uh, so you had the, you know, the, the, the screeching violins during the shower scene. It was oh, awesome. Oh, gosh, that had been really cool to hear it live. Wow, it's been, wow. Very intriguing. I like that. Well, very good, guys. You did a lot better. Uh, still two out of three on that one, but still very, very good. Really enjoyed uh, the animal uh, sounds portion. Very good. As, as always. Uh, How did that sound again, John? <laughs> we'll leave it for next time. Oh. Thanks, uh, Glenn and Sarah. We uh, begin every hour here on Morning Air, always in prayer, always giving thanks uh, to our Lord for all the many blessings uh, through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary, as we continue to pray for uh, peace in the world and especially peace in the Middle East and Ukraine and peace in our nation, in our church, and in our families. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, a patroness of the, of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. We always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from Colossians 3.17. The Apostle St. Paul writes, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. St. Paul reminds us that it doesn't matter what you do for a living. If you're a lawyer, doctor, a mother, or a professional athlete, whatever you do, if you do it for Jesus, if you do it for the Lord, and for his glory, you are on the right track. And so we always pray with great confidence in the chaplain of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. We need to take a short pause. When we come back, Joe Zalet, the director of education and ethicist at the National Catholic Bioethics Center, will be with us to discuss the ethics of surrogacy. And Pope Francis calls for a global ban on surrogacy. So stay with us. There's much more to come on the other side on this Thursday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. You got me running, going out of my mind. You got me thinking that I'm wasting my time. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. It's good to be with you on this Thursday morning. You can send us an email directly, morningair at relevantradio.com. Our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the program, is 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Now, this past Monday, Pope Francis made worldwide headlines when he called surrogacy deplorable, and he also called for a global ban on this exploitive practice of so-called surrogate motherhood in a speech to all of the world's ambassadors to the Vatican. Our Rome correspondent, Ashley Norona, joined us uh, from uh, the Eternal City on Monday here on Morning Air he talked about the importance of human rights and of having respect for the dignity of life. And with that, he rebuked trends that have led to ideological colonization and the spread of a culture of death, which we've seen throughout the world. And he appealed for respect for life, starting with the unborn child. And as you pointed out, John, he criticized practices like surrogate motherhood, saying that this was a grave violation of human dignity. And at every moment of its existence, he said, human life must be preserved. It must be defended. And he noted that, especially in the West, he has seen the continued spread of the culture of death. There was uh, quite a reaction in the mainstream media to Pope Francis's comments on surrogacy, including op-eds opposing the Holy Father on this issue. What are the ethics and the implications behind surrogacy? Joining us live this morning from outside of Philadelphia is Joe Zalet, the Director of Education and Ethicist at the National Catholic Bioethics Center for uh, a perspective on this ethics of surrogacy, as well as uh, uh, Pope Francis' call for a ban on surrogacy uh, globally. Uh, Joe is also the producer and host of the NCBC's Bioethics on Air podcast. Uh, good morning, Joe. Thank you so much uh, for being with us here this morning to talk about this uh, important issue of surrogacy. 
Well, John, thank you, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Joe, first of all, I'd like to get your reaction, uh, your, your thoughts on uh, uh, the comments by uh, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, uh, calling surrogacy deplorable and his call for a global ban on uh, this practice. Well, I, I think it's, it's actually a very, very positive statement um, by the Pope, and, and I and, and we at the NCBC uh, agree with him 100%. I, I think it's important to point out that Pope Francis, uh, and this isn't meant to be a, a dig on him or anything, but it's important to point out that Pope Francis isn't saying anything new. Um, the Church has been speaking about uh, surrogacy and issues of assisted reproductive technologies at least as, as early as 1987 in their document on Invitae, and the U.S. bishops have been very clear um, in their um, in, in their uh, denunciation of uh, surrogacy as well. In fact, Pope Francis uses words very similar to words that the U.S. bishops have used in the Ethical and Religious Directive. So overall, very, very, very pleased with the Pope's words. The, uh, the reality is that this... In this day and age, uh, it's become very common uh, practice, uh, uh, this practice of uh, so-called surrogate motherhood. Can you tell us what uh, happens during surrogacy? Well, basically what surrogacy is, is that, in short, it's the the woman who is carrying the child in her womb, the woman who's gestating the child, who's carrying the pregnancy is not the biological mother. So essentially, it, it, it comes about, um, well, surrogacy is a byproduct of in vitro fertilization, which is a, you know, an assisted reproductive technology technique whereby sperm is taken from a man, hopefully the husband, egg is taken from the woman, hopefully the wife, and a child is essentially manufactured or, or, or procreation happens in a petri dish, i.e. in vitro, in glass, in vitro fertilization. And then that embryo or embryos are then implanted, supposedly implanted back into the biological mother where she then gestates. Surrogacy comes in when you bring in a woman who is not the biological mother and you implant those embryos, embryo or embryos, in that person. And surrogacy can be either, um, you know, sometimes you'll have surrogacy where there's a woman who is, she's infertile for, for or she can't carry a pregnancy and a family member will carry the, the surrogacy for her, or excuse me, carry the pregnancy for her. Or what happens more often, and I think this is really what Pope Francis is referring to here, is what's called commercial surrogacy, where women are paid um, to to carry the child in the womb. And, and Pope Francis is saying here, and the U.S. bishops uh, and the church for years has been saying this is degrading for women, but it's also um, degrading for the child. And there's actually scientific research that demonstrates that it's, that it's problematic. Joe, as you mentioned, um, what the Holy Father had to say is, is nothing really new, uh, per se. As, as you mentioned, the, the, the bishops have been saying this for years. Uh, but uh, can you talk about the Catholic teaching involved with surrogacy and how uh, this separates uh, procreation and union, which are supposed to be the two meanings of the conjugal act? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, John, you just said it. I mean, what what the church has taught and and has taught um, is that you know the sexual act, marital act between a husband and wife, has to be open to um, both procreation and union. They cannot be separated. That was Pope Paul the sixth. You know, that was the really the crux of Humanae Vitae. And what you know, whereas um, contraception denies the the unitive, excuse me, denies the procreative aspect of the marital act. 
what uh, assisted reproductive te- technologies, IVF, and, and surrogacy resulting from that, what they do is they, you know, they separate, they, they focus on the, on, um, they get rid of the, or they deny the unitive act. So, you know, procreation is happening outside of that. So philosophically, um, what assisted reproductive technologies, including surrogacy being part of that, they rupture that, uh, that inseparable connection between procreation and union, but they even go further than that, that they actually separate the child um, from its biological mother, uh, which, again, can have you know, profound effects on the child. So there's, you know, surrogacy, is, it's, it's, it's problematic on multiple different levels, um, but unfortunately it's, it's very prevalent in Western society today. And, you know, we in the West, we, you know, people who can't have children or, you know, same-sex, usually same-sex men, um, who obviously, although our culture will say men can carry children today, but that's a whole other issue, um, you know, it, it's very prevalent where men who are "quote unquote" married um, will hire a woman, and you know they will have "quote unquote" their child, and it just raises profound questions um, for the child. So there's there's so many different avenues where this is problematic, but we we've just uh, you know we we believe in the West that people have a "quote unquote" right to a child, and that supersedes anything else. Would you say that there is a great need for education on this issue, even among Catholics? You would think that Catholics would have a different perspective than the average person out there in the mainstream. Oh, absolutely. There's 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 need for education on this, and and from from my perspective, I don't know if Catholics are any more or or any less informed on these issues than others. I mean, we've you know, I've had many um, discussions with people who who never knew these issues. I, I, it's funny, Sean, I wish I, I used to be a college professor before coming here and, and over my life, I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard someone say, oh my goodness, I went to Catholic school for 12 years and I never heard about any of this. And, you know, the church's teachings on reproductive technology and surrogacy, you know, in particular, as we're talking about here, uh, is one of them. And I think, you know, we've been so, even Catholics have been so catechized by the culture uh, on these issues that, you know, most people don't even know what the church teaches. We see uh, so many uh, celebrities and uh, actors uh, in Hollywood uh, that have used uh, surrogacy to, to become mothers, people like uh, Paris uh, Hilton, as an example. Mm-hmm. Can you um, give us a, a few of the basics when it comes to the ethics and the implications of surrogacy? Well, I mean, uh, implications, I mean, we've talked about some of those already, that they, you know, that they violate, or, or excuse me, they separate the procreative and unitive aspects of marital sexuality. Now, I know there's probably a lot of people who wouldn't, you know, give, you know, two rips about that. But there's also, you know, in terms of reproductive technology as a whole, and surrogacy in particular, there's, there are ongoing studies, uh, and, there, and there's a big body of studies that are showing um, the not only the physical but the psychological issues um, that are involved with this, and, and particularly in terms of surrogacy, I was looking at some of them, and, and there's, uh, there's a wonderful resource. Um, it's actually called the Center for Bioethics and Culture. Uh, a woman named Jennifer Lal. Now she's um, I don't know what her religious uh, if she has a religious background. It's a it's a secular organization, but they are very very. Um, they're very much against surrogacy, and they have, you know, they have all sorts of studies and everything else that demonstrate this. But what we're learning, um, particularly with surrogacy, is that the children, because these children are now growing up, surrogacy has been going on for, you know, the last 20, 30 years, and the products of surrogacy are now young adults. And what, they're, what they are demonstrating, what they're reporting is this, you know, there's this, uh, there's a break. There's, um, it, it's, it's actually called a primal wound 
that these children face because they were gestated. We, we know the importance of you know a child being gestated in its mother's womb. You know the bonds that are formed between a mother and child uh, during pregnancy, and that is just ripped away um, from you know from the child when the child is born. And we're starting to learn uh, that of the effects that that has on people. And you know these are things that you know the. The reproductive technology industry doesn't want women to know. They don't want any of us to know because it, you know, it goes against it goes against their narrative and it and it goes against their bottom line. We heard from our Rome correspondent Ashley Norona uh, on uh, this issue uh, from uh, the Vatican. She also shared with us that in Italy, uh, th- this is not allowed. Uh, this practice of uh, surrogate motherhood, right? Yeah, and it's very good. And I, I believe there's also a move. Um, the the new president of Italy was trying to ban, um, like, so if Italians went abroad for foreign surrogacy, they wouldn't bring their they wouldn't be able to bring their children back into Italy. I don't know if that has passed, but I, I know that was on the table as well. So that's actually a very good thing. Here in the United States, pretty much every state um, has legalized um, commercial surrogacy. In fact, the state of New York did it during the height of the COVID pandemic when no one was paying attention. So, um, so it's a very different situation from Italy than it is here in the United States. And the, this issue of, uh, of, of surrogate motherhood uh, really is part uh, of a bigger picture. The, the whole danger of, uh, uh, that we see in our society of uh, these reproductive uh, technologies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's the, you know, it's, it's the culture of death, which you mentioned before, and, and Pope Francis and Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict uh, have stated as well. What it really comes down to is this, it's the, the instrumentalization of human life. It's like we don't see human life as sacred anymore. We can manufacture it. We can kill it. We can essentially do whatever we want with it. And it's, it's that mentality um, that has fostered, uh, well, you know, the, the assisted reproductive te- technology industry as well as, as surrogacy. Well, there's so much um, that uh, needs to, to be learned. Uh, is many of, of our listeners, everyday Catholics, just uh, you know, are not plugged in uh, to uh, all the teachings of the Church and the teachings of the bishops uh, on this issue. Where can our listeners learn more about surrogacy? Well, you can come to our website, ncbcenter.org, but um, if I could also put a plug in for our uh, certification program, um, we cover assisted reproductive technologies in detail in it, and um, you know, and people are more than welcome to, to look into that, and, and you'll, you'll get more than you ever wanted to know about, about, about those technologies and, and surrogacy. So again, please come to our website, ncbcenter.org, click on the education tab, and, and, um, you know, and be in touch. Well, Joe, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to join us here this morning because this is an important issue that is part of uh, the culture of life that we need to, to be aware of. So uh, thanks again for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you, John. Happy to come back anytime. Joe Zela, the Director of Education and Ethicists at the National Catholic Bioethics Center. We need to take a short break. When we come back, our Spiritual Director, Father James Kabicki, will be with us to talk about our bishops on retreat. He'll also talk about going on retreat as a New Year's resolution. So stay with us as this morning air Thursday edition of the show continues here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air.
And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Thursday morning of the first week of Ordinary Time uh, with Christmas now way behind us. Uh, it's uh, good to be with you here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. You can email us uh, directly if you have any uh, thoughts or story ideas. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about retreats. Here on Morning Air, we've encouraged people to go on a retreat to disconnect fr- from the world and connect with God. But do you know that even uh, priests and bishops need to go on retreats as well? In fact, the bishops of Minnesota, as well as uh, North and South Dakota are starting their year off uh, going on retreat uh, down in Florida, which uh, is currently being led by our spiritual director and retreat director, Father James Kabicki. Now, did you go on a retreat uh, last year, and are you planning to go on a retreat here in 2024? Uh, I think that that would be a great resolution. Joining us live from the Sunshine State is Father Kabicki himself for much more on uh, the, the bishops on retreat and uh, going on retreat as a New Year's resolution. Uh, Father Kabicki is a Jesuit priest, uh, the retreat director and spiritual director at the St. Francis de Sales Seminary in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee and a longtime relevant radio and morning air contributor. Uh, Good morning, Father Kabicki. Thanks so much for being with us on the road from Florida. It's great to be with you. Well, thank you, John. Good to be with you and all our listeners. And as you said, I'm I'm here actually in Venice, uh, Florida, on the Gulf side of, of the state. And I'm at a retreat house uh, that the Diocese of Venice runs. It's called Our Lady of Perpetual Help Retreat House. And uh, the bishops of Minnesota, South and North Dakota come here um, usually every year at this time of year uh, in order to begin the calendar year uh, getting spiritually recharged. And I, I like the way you put it, John, that, that we all need that kind of recharging. You know, if you think of our, our physical bodies, we need to sleep. We need to rest every day. But we also need um, a longer, more extended period of vacation in which we can kind of recharge our physical batteries. But the same is true for our spiritual lives that um, just as important as our physical life is our spiritual life, of course, and our our spiritual lives need recharging as well, and that's what a retreat is all about, to come away and rest in the Lord. And Jesus himself did this from time to time. You know, he would come to a lonely place, as we heard in yesterday's gospel. Uh, He was very busy healing many people, but he would take time each day to uh, be with his father and to rest in uh, the father's love. And uh, I always like to begin retreats, and I did this with uh, the bishops down here, uh, with a passage from Mark chapter 6, where Jesus invites the apostles to come away in a boat to a lonely place where they could be by themselves and rest with the Lord and spend quality time with him. And uh, that's what a retreat is all about. And I'm I'm privileged to be able to uh, walk on this uh, journey of a spiritual retreat with uh, these wonderful bishops who are, um, let's say, a great inspiration to me. You know, we begin the day and we have morning prayer together, and then I give a talk, and then we have Mass, and there's time in the afternoon to take a nap or take a walk, and then we have a second talk, and, um, and then a holy hour. 
uh, before we have dinner. And what's interesting is the bishops keep silence throughout the day. So they eat breakfast in silence and lunch in silence, and they're silent throughout the day until uh, supper time, and then uh, they share and have fellowship with one another. So it's really inspiring uh, to me, uh, for me to see them uh, take this time so seriously, this time of prayer. Now, Father Kabicki, uh, you mentioned that the the uh, bishop they they keep uh, silent, but is this technically a silent retreat? No, um, they, you know, it's up to them how they want to do the retreat. So uh, they have a tradition of doing this. Um, I've given retreats to priests where a big part of the retreat is for the priests of a particular diocese to come together. And uh, because they they live uh, so often uh, separated from one another in a way, almost isolated in, in rural places, they rarely see each other. And so a lot of times uh, for a priest's retreat, uh, the, a big part of it is the fraternity they have. And uh, so those are not necessarily in silence. But as I said, I, I think the bishops, they, they do have that opportunity at supper and then in the evening to talk. But um, it's, it's really clear to me that what they hunger for is that time of silence to, uh, to pray and to reflect on their year and their ministry and uh, how the Lord is calling them to serve him. So uh, the silence, I think, really uh, creates an atmosphere for them for them to do that. Father Kabicki, uh, obviously you have given uh, so many retreats uh, over the years. How is a, a retreat for bishops uh, different than a retreat for lay people? <laughs> well, that's, that's a great question, John. And I, I have to admit that this is the second time that I've given a retreat to bishops. And um, the first time was some years ago when Cardinal George was the Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago. And, and I can remember being um, kind of intimidated um, about to give a retreat to, to bishops. And recently, before this retreat, I happened to be talking to Bishop Hying, one of our great relevant radio friends, who is uh, the Bishop of Madison. And I was telling him, you know, uh, Bishop, I'm, I'm kind of intimidated um, giving this retreat to bishops. And he said, look, don't worry about it. We're like other people. You know, there's, there's, we, we need the same things that everybody needs in terms of spiritual refreshment. So uh, just let the Holy Spirit, you know, work through you. And uh, that was that was very heartening for me to hear and encouraging. And uh, so I always approach it um, reminding myself, praying beforehand, getting, as a friend of mine says, getting prayed up. And, and what I try to remind myself is, look, it's not about me, and it's not about uh, how well I do or preach or whatever. It's about the Lord and being open to the Holy Spirit's guidance. And um, whatever I can do in terms of um, giving a talk that might uh, help the, the bishops or anyone, lay people, when I give lay retreats, it's all about the Holy Spirit, who's the real director of the retreat, not me, not the retreat director who happens to give the talks. So I always try to keep that in mind and get out of the way of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm so glad to hear that uh, Bishop Hying had some encouraging words for you. After all, every one of those bishops uh, uh, are also priests and were just priests at one time. 
That's right. And, and that's, uh, that's the, the thing that Bishop Hying also reminded me of is, you know, that um, behind, part of um, a bishop, you know, a bishop receives uh, three ordinations. He's ordained a, a transitional deacon, he's ordained a priest at one point, and then he's ordained a bishop. But at the heart of all that is the priesthood of Jesus Christ, who offered himself uh, as a sacrifice for the salvation of the world. And that's really what um, the Sacrament of Orders is all about. It's about being configured to Jesus Christ, the High Priest, who is a compassionate High Priest who came to offer himself, his life, his days, his hours, minutes, for the salvation of, of, of people. And uh, so that's been kind of a theme in, in the retreat that I've been giving is um, how the Eucharist uh, invites us to be one with Jesus and to therefore live uh, a, a life of offering just as Jesus offered himself. That is a beautiful thing, especially during uh, this time of Eucharistic uh, revival. I want to open up uh, our uh, phone lines and bring in our listeners. Uh, if you went to a retreat last year, or perhaps you're planning to go uh, on a retreat here in 2024, we would love uh, to hear from you. And maybe you can share with us some of the benefits that you've experienced of going on retreats. We're taking your calls for our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki. On our toll-free line, 888 I think that uh, spending time in front of uh, the Blessed Sacrament, uh, focusing on uh, the true presence of our Lord in the Eucharist, even for these bishops, that's gotta, that's got to be a, a big highlight uh, for them during uh, your retreat. Oh, I, I think so very much. You know, during the Holy Hour, it, it begins with... Um, the uh, exposition of the Blessed Sacrament and incensing our Lord, a uh, way of saying, you know, we want our prayers to rise up to you, Lord, like this uh, incense smoke. And then spending that time in silence and, uh, and uh, praying. I can see, you know, some of the priests, uh, or excuse me, some of the bishops, you know, are there just gazing at our Lord and uh, basking in his Eucharistic presence, uh, I see some of them open up the Bible and listen to the Word. Um, um, one of the bishops I know was was praying the Rosary during Adoration yesterday, and and so there's all those different ways that we place ourselves before our Lord and uh, open ourselves up to Him. I quoted to them one of the things that um, the the bishop's document had mentioned: uh, Blessed Carlo Acutis, the first millennial saint, and uh, Carlo Acutis said that when when we are under the sun, we uh, get a tan. And he says, when we place ourselves under the Son of God, under our Lord's Eucharistic presence, uh, we grow in holiness. Um, and, and I think that's what um, the bishops desire here. You know, they know that the temptation, given what they, they have to face, uh, the, the challenges, the many administrative details, the personnel issues that they deal with, uh, um, they, it's real easy for them to get discouraged. And so one of the things I've been telling them is um, the word discouragement means to lose heart. And so I say, you know, we need to take heart and we need to take the heart of Jesus. And he is present to us in his word. He's present to us 
in the Blessed Sacrament. And when we receive him in Holy Communion, he's giving us his own sacred heart to make us strong and to uh, take away our discouragement. So um, it's, it's really, a, um, I think, um, when, when I give a retreat like this, I'm also making the retreat myself. And the words that I say echo back to me, encouraging me as well. Well, Charlie is joining us this morning from Helena, Montana. Good morning. Uh, Charlie, welcome to the show. You're on with Father Kabicki. Hi, good morning, Father. I just call in to let you know I was going on a retreat this year in Wichita, the Spiritual Life Center. It's for the uh, Passion of Christ Through the Eyes of Father Emil Capon. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and you're going to be making that retreat soon? Um, yes, it's for a uh, 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 Palm Sunday weekend. Oh, that's wonderful! Well, and I've been to that retreat center in in Wichita. It's beautiful. It's it's on um, a little lake, and uh, right across the way, I know is the priest retirement uh, home. But that's that's a wonderful place to make a retreat. And um, you know, uh, this is a servant of God. Uh, Emil Capon, uh, Capon is another way people pronounce it. Uh, he was, you know, uh, a chaplain. And, and so uh, to be able to walk um, the way of the cross, the passion of Jesus by, uh, with a man who uh, exemplified that total offering of himself, uh, serving our military as a chaplain and, and dying in uh, Korea uh, because he had been um, uh, a prisoner of war there and offering himself to the other prisoners. Uh, that will be a great retreat that you'll be doing, Charlie. Appreciate Thank the you. call, Charlie. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for sharing. Uh, Father Kabika, can you uh, briefly talk about the value of retreats, not just for bishops, but for everybody? And, and what do you say to folks who uh, feel like they're just too busy to spend a few days at a retreat? Well, that's exactly right. If you're too busy to have a retreat or somebody will say, I'm too busy to pray, well, then you are definitely too busy and your life is out of kilter. It's out of whack um, because we all need, just as we all need sleep and to rest, so we need to rest in the Lord. We need that time to have our spiritual lives and batteries recharged. And and that's the importance of a retreat. You know, we, we might, as some people approach Eucharistic adoration, and they wonder, well, what am I going to do? What What's it going to be like? And there can be some hesitancy, and they'll think, well, this is going to be a waste of time. No time spent with the Lord is a waste of time. Pope Francis has really hit uh, hit on this recently. He's talked about the importance of adoration and spending time with the Lord is never a waste. And as blessed Carlo Acutis said, just being in his presence where he is radiating his grace and his love to us, um, that alone has an effect. It's not a, so much about what we do. We just have to make ourselves present to him. And that's what we do during uh, a time of retreat, whether it's a two-day retreat, a three-day retreat, a day of recollection, or our Jesuit novices of the um, Midwest province right now are at Numellary Abbey in Dubuque, Iowa. They're making a 30-day retreat. So um, any kind of retreat is helpful to us in our spiritual lives, and I would really encourage our listeners to look uh, at Retreat House to see how they can make a retreat this year. Well, Father Kabicki, maybe a, a final word on uh, making it a, a resolution here in this year that this will be the year that uh, I go on retreat. Okay. Well, as we 
offer ourselves to the Lord this day, one day at a time. We make our daily offering. We ask, Lord, as we present ourselves to you, that you would also be present in our lives and that you would help us make good decisions, especially to spend quality time with you. And may the blessing of Almighty God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, descend upon all our listeners and family and friends. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much uh, for taking the time to join us uh, from Venice, Florida there, and uh, that Our Lady of Perpetual Help Retreat House. I really appreciate uh, you being with us, Father Kabiki. You're welcome, John. Goodbye. Take care. Father James Kabicki, our spiritual director and longtime Morning Air and Relevant Radio contributor. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called My Next Door Neighbors by Joseph Mazzella. My next door neighbors are a quiet lot. They're the most peaceful neighbors I've ever had. In 30 years of living here, they've never had a party, played loud music, or had a nasty argument. They've never bothered me or caused me a single problem. When I go out in my back door every morning to walk my dogs, I greet them with a smile and soak in their serenity and their silence. You see, I live next to a graveyard. Now, I've talked to a lot of people who think it's creepy to live 20 feet from a graveyard, but I've never been bothered by it a bit. I always get a sense of peace when I walk outside and see it. It always seems beautiful to me, too, whether it's seeing the freshly fallen snow on top of the gravestones in winter or watching the rising sun shine down on them in the summertime. My next-door neighbors have never once filled me with fear or a sense of dread. Instead, they've always served as a reminder that one day my body, too, will wear down and surrender to the grave. Yet my soul will continue on to greater life to come, a life full of never-ending joy, love, and light. My next-door neighbors also remind me each morning when I see them that every day in this life here is precious. Not a one should be wasted. They should all be lived fully, completely, and wonderfully. They should all be lived with love for God, ourselves, and each other. They should be filled with kindness for everyone we meet. They should be overflowing with gratitude to God and giving to others. They should be a glorious sharing of joy between all of us. I hope that one day we see this whole world as our neighbor, that we spend each day sharing our love with them. I hope we see each day here as a precious thing and live it accordingly. And I hope that we never fear the grave, but instead look forward to the greater life to come. From John 14, 1 through 4, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thanks so much, Glenn. One of my all-time favorite uh, scriptures. Let's honor our Lord Jesus and his blessed mother by praying and watching the family rosary across America with Father Rocky and Maggie at 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. That'll do it for this Thursday, January 11th, 2024 edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producer Sarah, Tafoya Gabby, Burke, call screener Young Thomas, and our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow on the next Morning Air. Jesus, I trust in you. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead.